Human beings have neither the oral nor the psychological capacity to withstand the awesome power of God's true voice. Theology unplugged. Hermeneutics. Herman who? The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Theology unplugged. I mean, uh, if God is omniscient, if he knows everything, and he wouldn't be God if he didn't, then he must have known, even before the creation of the world, the names of those who will be saved. Theology unplugged. Only let my errors be proven by scripture. Theology unplugged. Would you guys agree that Christianity is defined so much and it's how we act, but we do have some definite theological markers. Theology unplugged. Are we ready for evidentialism? I was born Are you ready for evidentialism, Carrie? I don't know. Um, maybe present the evidence to the me. Sound to where I believe. Is the computer ready for it? Is it the is. board? Uh, is the, the, do we sound good? Yeah, you sound good to me. Okay, we are live, folks. And um, are we? Th- this is theology unplugged. Podcasts right? aren't live. It is theology. Hey, unplugged. let me tell you something. Can I tell you guys something real quick? I'll yeah. allow it. Um, we are on our ten-year anniversary as a ministry, yep. reclaiming the mind ministries. Credo House Ministries, 10-year anniversary, uh, a full decade of um, not only uh, taking a vision and expanding upon it, but also expanding upon the vision in a great deal. We are, uh, I, I've been looking back on what we've done over the last 10 years mm-hmm. and just kind of putting it all together. I'm, I'm trying to put it to pen and paper. And as I look at it, it's just so exciting. I mean, it really is. This stuff that has been accomplished, the way that the Lord has used the ministry, and um, just looking at this, and looking at the curriculum, looking at the podcasts, looking at the blogs, you know, 11,000 pages of blogs, thousands of hours of podcasts, and then the curriculum. I mean, just and the members area that me, churches are connecting that with. It has all our curriculum, yeah. the theology program, the discipleship program, the Bible boot camp on how to study the Bible, the Bible boot camp on apologetics, crusades. Essentials I mean, on and of the on faith. we go. Essentials Absolutely. of the faith, and then credo courses. All the scholars that we have brought in, complete courses now. Five complete courses mm-hmm. that we have done, and uh, two that are in production or post-production remember the uh converse with scholars we used to do that too that was a big thing i mean that's a remarkable resource and it is it's kind of like the baby of uh credo courses it is and it's like you lose sight of the fact that until you really start to reflect on the history of the ministry it's like oh my goodness because i was talking with clint before uh you guys came over and i and i was like yeah we we had Alvin Plantiga on a podcast, yeah, yeah. and John Frame, yeah. and William Lane Craig, and John Frame was fun, wasn't he? He was a lot of fun. But you see what I mean? Like it's just that's that's high caliber, and that and the whole goal of the ministry is to connect people. Well, that you know, in terms of um, making you know, theology accessible, making making theology accessible, exactly, and because ultimately, um, theology is important, and theology does. Um, 
have relevance to everyday life. It is a practical thing because it's pointing to a person, and that's to Christ. So that's 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 the. And it is. It's know, all centers on that ministry. getting people through that being, being balanced. We are unique in the sense of you know, hey, always say, saying this, you know, Fox News fair and balanced, but we really do try to be fair and balanced. Yeah. We really that is our goal to be able to educate in evangelicalism and being able to say this for the last 10 years that we've we've um, consistently I think been used by the Lord you know mm -hmm. uh, conversations that I've had with people oh, yeah. afterwards change lives through emails on and on and I just want to announce that to our audience right now we are on our 10 year anniversary we are moving strong in the exact same areas that we have been moving strong in for 10 years ten, 10 full years yeah. and, and just because we do not have the coffee shop anymore you know that's that was a fun thing that was uh, to get an audience and it was a, it was a great place to film credo courses i mean we it, it served us and well. it still will be because the same coffee shop is in existence my office is there and yeah. we are going to be using that it's just a different it's a different coffee shop though yeah, yeah. it's the same it's a little bit more what, what would you say uh I don't, it's lovely they've lovely. done a remarkable job That's they've the done a remarkable job but that is it. Uh, what the thing is is that you know if we can um if they are willing we can still film there and yeah. Do, yeah. Do they, are, they are they yeah, are we'll so and they're this. great folks too so um anyway here, here's the deal folks thank you thank you for letting us do this thank you for listening um thank you for uh letting us just have a i mean can you we're, we're, uh, devoting this time devoting the this this thought and conversation because you all have supported us over the yeah. years and so thank you for your support and your continued support uh i just want to let you know we're not slowing down yeah. i want the next decade if it's just like the previous one i mean that's i'm not saying next decade let's do it 10 times as much i'm saying let's go with just the continue with the momentum yeah but we still need the support for people to do that and even though we that, don't have please a coffee go shop. folks we have to have your support and your support says this we want you to go another 10 years and we want you to get that much more curriculum out we will if uh lord lord willing um and uh budget willing <laughs> if the lord provides through those who listen and yeah. are, have been impacted by the ministry so please do so now we are moving to evidentialism evidentialism so our our series on apologetic methods uh the first two that we did were uh well the first one was more or less sort of an introduction and then we went into presuppositionalism and then we did a second one there on sort of a, a kind of um rounded out what presuppositionalism is and maybe the strengths and weaknesses we addressed as well uh, but this time we're going to be talking about evidentialism so we're we have two coming your way this one uh, we're going to kind of explain what it is maybe give some um, examples of arguments often used and then the next one we'll discuss the strengths and weaknesses so uh, clint michael what is evidentialism clint well, I would first like to ask you one question. You didn't mention this when we're talking about numbers, and I'd just like to know if <clears throat> there's any estimate over the 10 years on the total number of people that Michael has offended. <laughs> oh, wow. I, well, if, if you count me just every day, that, that, that adds up. You only get to count yourself once. Okay. It, it, is, it is definitely in the millions. All right. Now, that's real ministry impact. That's right. <laughs> uh, evidentialism. Okay. So, I think that we already said a couple of things for in case anybody heard the first uh, two about evidentialism. I think one thing we said is that it is the default 
view that people have of what apologetics oh, they is. They think so that, is that entails it. Yeah. If you ask a per, if you start to talk about apologetics to any Christian, you talk about defending the faith, you talk about giving reasons. The first thing they'll think of, probably, maybe the only thing they'll think of, is something like evidentialist. Josh McDowell. Yeah, that's the first introduction a lot of us ever had. Yeah. Was something like Josh McDowell. I, I had a Josh McDowell book, The Evidence of Demands the Verdict, Verdict, Volume Part One and Two. two. <laughs> I go. got a hold of that from a from a guy that influenced me so much. I probably talked about him before, but a guy named Chet Lackey. He was my pastor when I was twenty one years old, and he had this book that said Evidence that Demands a Verdict, and I I. I took a look at that, and he had it flagged. I mean, it was just marked up. It was about to fall apart because he had read it so much. And so I started getting into that, and that's the first exposure that I had where I was looking at this, and I was saying, I can't believe we have evidences for all these things. I mean, it went from anywhere from the evidences of the empty tomb to (laughs) evidences of, um, uh, and, and people accept these to various degrees, but evidences that... Uh, we had an exodus where where uh, the Israelites walked walked across the Red Sea, uh, you know, deep in the red, uh, underneath the water. But it's evidences, you know. It's using what what we we say archaeology, uh, history books, uh, written accounts about what happened, extra biblical sources that attest to facts was found within scripture. All of that, yeah. Um, and even some types of rational support when we're talking about, hey, look at the prophecy and can somebody predict this and actually not be in touch with God? The evidence is that demands a verdict says, how do you explain Isaiah 53? How do you explain the, <clears throat> the multiple um, uh, sources that we have for the resurrection of Jesus? And, you know, it's taking the evidence. What's what's unique about this, though? Well, I think another thing that we could say is that outside of the church, among just everyday people, secular people, this way of thinking also pervades. And, you know, if you ask anybody to um, talk about moral points of view, political points of view, even religious ideas, I think most people, be just because of the influence of the 20th century and modernism and science is the king of all truth, most people are evidentialist in the way they think, even non-Christian people. They, a, think, uh, they think that's how you that's how you argue. That's how you debate anything. Is you you got to have some facts and evidence. Carrie, seems to be the universal way people think. Carrie, is that part of the Imago Day within us that we default to looking for evidences? Um, well, I think in terms of the Imago Day within us, we default to to reason. Okay, uh, that's part yeah. of it. That's not all we default to. We we have a you know we isn't, also have isn't Clint though reason different? <laughs> You're a philosopher. Uh, many people don't know this. Uh, the, uh, theology unplugged audience is uh, Clint is our resident philosopher and in doing so apologist. Is that um, is reason and evidence? Don't we have a difference there? I mean, in history, that people would say no, uh, evidence is the way to go, and some people Wait, would say reason so is the way mean, to go. So, do you mean do you mean like the difference between rationalism and empiricism? There we go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sure. It, and so, because uh, I, I think this is at least in my mind, this is going to distinguish what we're talking about here with evidentialism from the classical approach in a moment uh, or in a couple of prod, pod, podcasts. So, yes. are we dealing the with just pure yes. evidence, and what does mm-hmm. that mean? And it's not to say that a person who's an evidentialist doesn't reason at all. It's not to say that. They will. They do. They can't help it. You can't not do it. But they don't emphasize it. 
they place the emphasis on the evidences, sort of an accumulative, um, an accumulation of facts or exhibit A, exhibit B, exhibit three, you know. Are we trying to uh, kind of not start with a lot of assumptions, right? Right. It, it, I think one thing it definitely wants to do is meet people more kind of where they are. It seems to be, it seems to want to uh, assume less so that people, you know, th the motive is good because it's, I'm going to get obstacles out of the way. I'm not going to start with things. I'm going to start where you start. I'm going to almost pretend I don't have, I'm going to be neutral here. Let's just approach this neutrally. Start looking at the facts and let's just go where they lead. And then Is I this the blank slate, things, the you know? tubula rasa? I don't tabula know. rasa. That's consistent with a lot of tabula, em his yeah. empiricism, of course, but I don't know that you have to embrace that. A tabula rasa a, view of your mind. That yeah, that's sort that of... Well, what I'm saying is if you're an apologist and you're sitting here with somebody <clears throat> and they're, they're, you're trying to get them to come to the Lord and you're using the evidentialist method, um, we, uh, I might say to you, hey, listen, um, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to assume... Right. Uh, a bunch of stuff here. Mm -hmm. I just want to yeah, say, yeah. let's build from the ground up. I mean, here's here's the different pieces of the puzzle that I want to show you how they fit together, and um, by that one at a time, uh, I will evidence each piece of the yeah, puzzle. Yeah, it's almost a legal approach. It's almost like you imagine like a forensic a approach. And it's like the guy, you know, there's a, there's an apologist uh, who who actually was a forensics guy, the guy who you, I've seen. Jim, oh, he's a guy did. named Wallace, I think. Jim Wallace. Oh, yeah, you Warner Wallace. Guy. Right, right. Jim Warner Wallace. Yeah. And he, he even calls it cold case. Christianity. Um, yeah, yeah well, so he came and spoke. Yeah, that's at, right. At Credo for He us. came, and, and yeah. the idea, of course, that he that he that he presented to everybody was, look, by career, I mm -hmm. think he was, maybe still is. An investigator, a policeman, mm -hmm. a guy who, yeah. who, who investigates cold cases. So he was saying, I'm going to use those tools. and and But the focus ends up being less um, on rational arguments, which we'll see with the classical stuff. And it ends up being, at least it seems to me, that it ends up being more on very specific things. Like, in other words, I don't think most evidentialists say, I'm going to give you ten evidences that prove the whole Christian system of thinking. What they'll say instead is, I'm going to give you 10 evidences that the Bible is archaeologically valid. Yeah. And then I'm going to give you five or six that show that the resurrection is historical. See what I mean? Like, yeah. you have to do it one at a time because, does that make sense? It's mm -hmm. sort of more, it's more specific in particular, which is why if you ask me, and I don't know if the, this would be something to talk about in the, you know, negatives and positives, but if you ask me, evidentialism is actually the hardest road. Because There's so it has the, it has a libraries of information you're dealing with. Mm. If you do evidentialism, you got to know a lot. I also think that's why a lot of people are scared yeah. to engage people and do apologetics because they think, in order for me to do that, I better go get ten degrees in ten subjects, and I better read every day and study and memorize facts and be able to recall them in any conversation. Sherry, how much time do we have? Uh, about fourteen minutes. Really? Okay, good because this is. This is something where you look at this and you say, um, uh, here is the ground up, here's the cold case Christianity. Um, this is, you mentioned this, uh, I, th I think you alluded to it, but this is where the battle is taking place and the volleys are going back and forth because we, we run the gamut of evidence, evidences, tons of puzzle pieces. Because I think in the, in the next one we'll see 
well, classical only has a few puzzle pieces, you know, and they do it differently. But we got tons of puzzle pieces anywhere from uh, like evidences that the walls of Jericho fell uh, inward to uh, uh, evidences, even uh, extra biblical, that the apostles died a martyr's death. And so we've got so many of these. And here, here's this: the, we're, I know we're not getting the evaluation of it yet, but this this is a teaser on the evaluation. Is that the volleys go back and forth equally on this, um, and it, it becomes we have so many evidences, right? But then at the same time, here's the deal: the reason why we have so much evidence and evidentialism works within Christianity is because there's so much data. In order to have evidence, in order to build a case, you have to have knowledge. You have to have a knowledge base. You have to have facts. You have to have you have to have um, theories. You have to have you have to have a big enough story, or you don't have to have a big enough story. We've got a big enough story, and so it's like I'm going to say evidence. The evidence is we have it's so exciting, but it can be so exhausting because okay, here we here we go. Uh, with the evidence of the resurrection and the other side comes up and they're playing the evidentialist, evidentialist card as well and they're saying hey I've got evidence that there were two angels at the uh, uh, tomb here and there's one angel here and so the, the exciting thing also becomes the exhausting thing uh, in some ways but we are can be evidential this is my point we can be evidentialists because we have so much mm-hmm. data. You wrote a thing once uh, called Christianity, the world's most falsifiable religion. religion. Didn't you write mm-hmm. that? It's a blog. Yeah. One of those 11,000 blogs? Yeah. Right. The most fa- falsifiable, <coughs> which on the face of it doesn't sound good to a lot of people. They might say, what? It's the most falsifiable? You mean like it's the most easily proven false? That's not what you mean. Yeah. You mean it has so much that you can spend a lot more time trying to prove it false. Yeah. That's what falsifiability is. And I can tell you as somebody who, yeah. who lived among, uh, who lived in Utah for a long time among the Mormons, if you wanted to be an evidentialist for Mormon belief, mm. that's, a sh- that's a small book. <laughs> Why? They don't have much. There's no history. There's no textual stuff. There's my, no archaeology. There's nothing there for you to even be an evidentialist I about. remember asking um, these elders... I had well these two guys that came over for like a series like almost six weeks straight. Mormon, el- Mormon elders. Two two Mormons came over. Eighteen year old elders. Uh, yeah, I didn't mean elders. Uh, they no, eventually they had. A, they eventually had. Oh, they are. Yeah, they're called elders. Oh, that's right. That's, okay. You, you okay. get to be an elder at eighteen. Well, well so you the die thing at twenty two. They <laughs> they are Logan's run at thirty. Yeah, <laughs> you're <right. laughs> gone. Logan's bike run. <laughs> they get their driver's anyway. license at four. Right. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, the, the thing is, um, every week they came over, and I was just going through the theology program at the time. I think I'd finally finished up, so I had my systematic theology down, you know. <laughs> and I essentially walked them through systematically the Christian faith. But when it got to uh, text, the text of Scripture, um, I was able to present them with all the manuscript evidence for Scripture, for the mm. Bible. Uh, and I said, well, where are your gold plates? Yeah, yeah. These things aren't. I mean, this only happened within the past. The gold plates that uh, that, that Joseph yeah. Smith found in the magic goggles that accompanied that became them. the Book of Mormon, right? Exactly. So, but the thing is, Codex we have Goldiatus. <laughs> nice one. 
Um, but the thing is, we have a wealth of manuscript evidence for Scripture to prove it's, at least at the very least, to prove yeah. that it is what was written then as, you know, what we have now. But that's just one example of an evidence. They don't even have that, the gold plates. Uh, thus, that would be a short book. <laughs> they can't even verify um, the foundation for their book, or their primary book mm -hmm. anyway. The book that's such a good deal. That, that is such a good illustration because... Um, I mean, Clint, when we're talking about the uh, manuscript evidence of the Bible, and we're talking about falsifiability once again, I mean, take that small discipline. I mean, uh, when I mean small, it's one of the many. It's one. Just and, one. and it's just over here that maybe people haven't even ever looked yeah, at even it. Even though all. it's a whole science in itself, yeah. it's a whole distinct discipline. Of te textual criticism. It's just not textual very well known. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then again, tons of. Evidence. I mean, the data that we have over there, the data that we have for um, the evidence of the manuscripts of the Bible, that alone is a whole area of apologetics that you could spend your entire life on and just say, we have so much data, there's so much falsifiability, then there's so much excitement because even though it's falsifiable, it ends up being, being accurate stable mm -hmm. um and, and we just, do have that we have dan wallace that that does that and, and what, what you said earlier there's just so much how, how much knowledge do you have to have to be an evidentialist and when really we, really clint i mean is it is it really feasible are we really going to get to the point where we have enough data and we're considering everything one person can't be an expert in all these fields mm -hmm. but different people can and you just mentioned dan wallace that's his study that's his specific field that's his he calling came, if he you came were. to the great old house and did that whole thing and you know, that is that's fine though because, in in the world of evidential type stuff, not that not that he's doing it only for that no, because no. it's it's he's, he's it, it's it. a biblical study absolutely. It, it's just, so, but look, even other religions. I mean, think about we talked about the Mormons. What about Islam? Think about Islam. How much evidentialist discussion could you have as a Muslim scholar? Well, the, yeah, yeah. Describe that. What what are you what are you right. doing as a Muslim scholar and an apologist? What data do you have to look for? Yeah, you, what you have is quantity-wise. I don't know what it would be like. It's one fifty-sixth, you know, or you know of what of what Christians have just to work with if yeah. they want to, simply because these are th this holy book. First of all, it's a lot younger anyway. It arrived in a vacuum. Literally. It shows up it just and sort of you know, out of the we'll blue. See there is, it is. Next time when we talk about fideism, where it's just you just got, it's more personal, subjective, and just the internal witness and belief. That's really what most different religious belief systems have at the top of their um, at the top of their sort of chart for how do we how do you convince people and defend this you start and end with that that's what Mormons do why why why, why would that be so important because you don't have anything else you basically <laughs> no. have to believe that Muhammad was a prophet that he heard from the angel but he was the only one in those caves to hear the no one else saw it and you have but, to just but that's what you're it. describing right now is not data it's assertion right Right, and so you, what you have is an assertion that Mormonism is true. Joseph Smith got those tablets. That is not evidence. Next step in our evidentialist approach is to defend the assertion, and as you said, with Mormons um, and they, Muslims, they are not well. Mormons specifically, right here, because and they may have the same method uh, as Muslims, but Mormons explicitly have the same method and say there is one evidence for yeah. this all and it's your internal the witness. burning of yeah. the bosom the burning of the your bosom. Of the bosom everything hangs on that 
It has to. Yeah, yeah. So, so when we're talking about the broad spectrum of Christian witness and evidence, it just it, it blows my mind. And I uh, I want the audience to understand what we're talking about here. What if we say we've got things from uh, again whole disciplines of textual criticism that. Uh, hundreds of men can devote their life to and uh, ha- bring out all the evidences. Archaeology um, that is going on continually. You've got just the basic study of history that's going on and the falsifiability that you can have with God. I mean, here's the deal. God sticks his neck out big time. He, he, he says, come and see, Right. Uh, come and look at all this stuff because we did not do this as as uh, Acts uh, chapter fifteen. Well, yeah, I mean, wasn't done in a corner to a certain extent. Uh, not that I am uh, a proponent of evidentialism per se. I do see elements of it that are helpful, but I would even argue that to some extent we see God being an evidentialist uh, in Scripture when He right. is appealing. I like that. I like when that. He's appealing. Yeah. Well, you know, to Israel, was I not the one who brought you out of? The, do you not remember? He's calling to account actual historical events that he directly and in that time could a, still have a fault a strong falsifiability right but and, and the thing mm-hmm. is so he's um you know in, in a sense appealing to the evidences is well, that i hope that's will often say that they will often say yeah. to critics they will say look in the bible what is the main what is the primary approach used when people want to say hey believe me and here's why you see it over and over in terms of what about all the signs and miracles? Those were testing. They're, they're so that people can't deny it. They're empirical. Look what just happened. Did mm-hmm. you see that? And and then there's... Um, Prophecy? Of, yeah. I mean, what they'll say, and I can't remember who said this, but I remember someone actually defending it this way, saying, well, the basic line of argument was, well, you know, you may not like this approach of sort of, sort of doing evidences like that, but if it's, hey, I'm going to do it if if it's biblical, if that's the way they did it. Maybe that's oversimplified too, a little bit, but without a doubt, there's no shying away from saying, I mean, Paul says to some people, hey, a bunch of people saw this, go talk to them, they're still alive. Mm-hmm. They'll tell you. Yeah. That's a lot and of And Jesus himself, he didn't, you know, chastise Thomas. Well, you just gotta believe Thomas. He let Thomas come and, and, and observe empirically. Yeah. The, yeah. the wounds empirically evidence wise right a- a- absolutely that's what i mean he through his senses he was able to you know well you know there's there's a lot of disciplines that i mean people may be saying hey guys why don't y'all get to the individual things why don't y'all talk about uh the individual evidences that's not that what this podcast is about right now mm-hmm. we're just trying to display give you an idea of what approach. we have mentioned a lot of the areas haven't we if we summarize well maybe we can do that in the next one okay. uh and then then we can kind of or we're evaluating this we'll next time right, right. strengths well, and weaknesses well we'll give it probably about right. a five ten minute overview of the various um our, or the the evidences and then uh, we'll give a, I guess, a critique. Maybe of this come approach. back, come back here. You, here, I got approach. an assignment for you guys. Come back here with your favorite evidence or the most compelling evidence to you whenever you think about Christianity. Okay. And and, and maybe even email us or uh, comment on this particular podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, we want comments or... on also on just as a side note yeah. on iTunes. If you like this podcast this one and the ones before uh, just comment on it tell us what you'd like to think about it we will we love your feedback it encourages us 
and um, helps us to uh, know that you're out there. And then also, real quick, our email address, we haven't said it in a while. Sam Jackson, what is it? I have no idea. Apologetics. <laughs> is that so? Our email is carrie at <laughs> credohouse.org. It is retort at so apologetics. Don't, don't do retort. She's going to dump that. Does that retort work? I love that. Retort. I don't know. Do we still? Yeah. Okay. Let's scrap that. Yeah, I don't even. Just know email us. Email me, Carrie at credohouse.org. That's the best way to get in touch with us. <laughs> and then I will. Uh, I'll disperse your emails to who, whomever they're really directed, unless I feel I can give the best answer. Yeah. So just go ahead and email me. That'll and it's work. okay. It's okay if on iTunes they really hate it and they want to say nasty Let us things. Know. And the only thing about that is that we have already in advance uh, prayed for a miraculous virus to inflict your computer and turn it into praise. <laughs> good night, goodbye, good evening, good morning. Good riddance. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying Theology Unplugged, let me tell you about some of the other resources we have available. Visit us online at credohouse.org and browse over 2,000 articles on everything from the Crusades to gay marriage. Sign up for email updates and get the latest news, event announcements, and special deals before anyone else. Connect with us on social media. Just search Credo House on Twitter and Facebook. And you can always email us at theologyunplugged at credohouse.org. We want you to be part of the Credo community. Please partner with us in making theology accessible and pushing back the intellectual attack on Christianity. Thank you.